Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. She'd have gotten a rabbit in a heartbeat. It's not a rabbit. Something in the rat family? Maybe. Or, you know, a muskrat or a chipmunk or whatever. But Gibbon? I don't think it was a gibbon. No, I don't think it was a gibbon. I don't think it was a fox. And she, the ability of a dog to go from zero to max in less than two seconds is unbelievable. If your car could do this, you'd buy that car. Yeah, she ain't no hybrid. No, 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 no. She's not a plug-in. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. She's on the high test, this girl. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All right, so I'm going to start with animal news again. I don't think I got to this yesterday. Sometime after we finished the podcast, I went outside with the dog, and I saw that the Adcock's trap had worked. There was a fox in the trap. Ooh. I was extremely excited. I texted the owner, John Adcock, and I said, wow, yay, there's a fox in there. And one of the guys came out and took the fox away. How was the fur? Um, this didn't seem to be the fox that I had seen. This was not mangy. This was a deeper color. Maybe the um, sunlight's working. Well, maybe, maybe. Uh, and this was a deeper color. And I went over to the trap, and the fox stuck its head up and looked at me, like to say, could you get me out of here? And I went, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, Sal. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like sorry, that, Sal. <laughs> you know, it's just business. Yeah. You know, for old time's Mike, sake. could you do a favor? <laughs> you know, Tom, rather. Tom, could you do a favor for old time's sake? Sorry, Sal. He wasn't, like, snarling at you? He was just sort of... No, and the trap is out there for one more day, and I hope that there's a fox in it again today. I mean, because you want to get rid of foxes. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're smart, they're cunning, they shouldn't have gotten in the trap, um, but they did, and take them away and bring them somewhere else. Bring them to a farm. It's okay. You, you know, just make it nice, but keep them, you know, you got to get out of here. So I was very happy about that. Uh, I wanted to, we're going to get to the baseball. I just wanted to just say, one thing, Kyrie Irving is poisonous. I know he's a great player. I've never seen a guy handle the ball as well as Kyrie Irving in my life. I've watched a lot of basketball. He's got a world championship, and he may get another one with the Nets. He may get more than one, but he's poisonous. You know, you don't want to get vaccinated. Okay, but now you're going to lose half your games because in the city of New York, where Brooklyn plays, you can't go into these arenas unless you're vaccinated. This is not a union rule. This is, no, this is a city rule. It takes precedence over whatever you have bargained collectively with the basketball owners. That doesn't matter. That's secondary to what the law is in the city of New York. He's going to lose, if he doesn't play, $380,000 a game. That's such an unbelievable amount of money. 41 home games, $380,000 each. In the United States of America, 98% of the people would take that as a yearly salary and be ecstatic, $380,000. And this guy will throw it away. He's not a team player. He's, he's for him. Is he great? Yeah, he's great. But he's for him. He should be a tennis player or a golfer. He should be in some sport, in, in track and field. He can't make as much money as you make in basketball. But as great as he is as a player, if you're a teammate, can you trust him? Can you trust that he'll be there for you? He takes personal days all the time. Yeah. All the time. He ruined the Boston Celtics. He didn't stay long enough in Cleveland to ruin them. He didn't play long enough in Duke to ruin Duke. He's going to ruin the Nets. Mm-hmm. He's going to. All right, we move on. Let's get to the game. Um, I don't know if you people watch the PTI show. Some of you, I'm sure, do. I can't tell you how many times I have been wrong about baseball in the last three weeks. It's unbelievable. I said the Phillies would make it from the National League East because they had the easiest schedule. I said that over a month ago. They didn't. They gassed. When we were going back and forth, I said the Dodgers would catch the Giants, pass the Giants. Dodgers finished 18-3. and three. Giants held them off. I was wrong about that. I said that, you know, the Yankees were in trouble for the wild card because they lost a couple of games. I, I'm just wrong. I've been wrong on everything, and I was wrong again last night. It's the nature of baseball. I was just wrong. I said, yeah, Garrett Cole. I said, they paid Garrett Cole $36 million a year for nine years for games just like this. This is what you pay the guy for. You're in a winner-take-all game in the postseason. I'm throwing Garrett Cole on the mound, and I'm going to win. 
And I said this even though his ERA was 615 in his last five starts since he came back from injury, even though he's on the road. I said, yeah, I'll take Garrett Cole. I'll ride with Garrett Cole. Boom. Xander Bogart's first inning. First inning. See you around. Garrett Cole out in the third. Out. How how many had given up? Three? Three at that point. Six outs, I think he got. You know, I was wrong about that. I'll tell you what else. I I wasn't wrong about this. Let me tell you who was wrong. Giancarlo Stanton. Because he thought he hit it out, and I thought he hit it out, and everybody thought he hit it out. He's still standing at the plate. And he's standing at the plate. He gets a single. Giancarlo Stanton hits two out, except they don't go out. And here's what he gets. He gets a single in the first inning, and in the sixth inning, in the critical play of the game. Giancarlo Stanton hits it out, but it doesn't go out. The right fielder throws it to Xander Bogarts, who already has a home run. Xander Bogarts throws a perfect strike to the catcher. Aaron Judge, all six, eight of them, is out at the plate. And that's your ball game, kids. That's your ball game. Because it's going to be 3-2 at that point, And even Giancarlo Stanton can go to second on the throw to the plate. Doesn't happen. He's thrown out. That's, that's the game right there. Bogarts came around to score later. Bogarts had himself a game. Yeah, he did. Like, if they were giving out MVPs at a wild card, Bogarts is getting the MVP over Evaldi, I believe. Although Evaldi was really good. And Cora knew exactly when to take him out. But then, that's still at Stanton. Right? That's not off Evaldi. Right. That's off the reliever. Right. Yeah, Brazier, I believe. No. So that's... Yeah, the judge single got him out. You agree that's the ball game, right? Emotionally, that is the ball game. And you're sort of focused on those plays. I think you have to come back. We initially thought you'd go Yankees just based on Cole. And then you could set up, if you win six or six, six innings, you have a lockdown bullpen yeah. that can get those final nine outs. And you remember, baseball playoff comes back to just trying to subtract outs from your overall number. And you don't care where they come from. But from the start of the game, and I'm sure Nigel will speak to this, Evaldi's getting efficient, quick outs. And this is somebody where you're... 75% strike. You were worried he's going to... he's. He's not getting a lot of swing and miss. And all of a sudden, he was getting some swing and miss last night. And you're getting some calls uh, for both pitchers early in, in the games that led to strikeouts. But even before that inning you come back to, uh, I, I believe it's Gardner's at the plate. It's leading off the fifth. And he gets to a maybe a three-and-one count. And he, and he gets the swing and miss strikeout. And you go, just even getting that one extra inning is able to hold off having to go to the pen a little earlier. And by the way, the, their pen, you think to yourself, they've, they've burned two starters. Against the Nats on Sunday. They burned two starters. You think well, they're not going to be efficient. So if this game goes late and it's tied, you have reason to believe Boston's going to lose this game. Sure. You know, you're a Red Sox fan. You must feel great. Uh, well, it's always great to end the Yankees season. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, but like you, I, I thought, well, this is going to be Garrett Cole's night. You know, the last time Evoldi faced the Yankees, he was miserable. Even though in general. Seven runs. Yeah. Even though in general, Seven. he's been very good against them. But you think, well, and the, the Yankees were just in Fenway and they swept them. Yes. You know, and, and it, I didn't think the Red Sox. I was, I've been wrong almost as much as you have with the, the end of this season. I didn't think the Red Sox would make the playoffs. So, yeah, it, it's like finding a $50 bill on the ground. You didn't. You didn't expect it. It's very lovely. And Bogarts, who had been scuffling for most of the end of the season, came through, as you said, in, in a big way. Yes, he did. Um, and it's Schwarber hit one out. Schwarber, I, Schwarber signed a one-year $10 million contract this year. $10 million is an awful lot of money, but not for somebody as established as Kyle Schwarber. A one-year deal, which means there's no deal after that, and you could be out of the major leagues. He signs it with Washington. He hits 83 home runs in the month of June for Washington. It's the most exciting single month any player has ever had in Washington Nationals history. And then he goes to the Sox, and he hits one out last night. But and by the way, this is not play, like Stanton. He doesn't play for the first couple weeks because he's still nursing that injury. Yeah, yeah. So it, you're circling this game. Lead off DH. He yeah. well, that's he was he was hitting yeah. he was hitting one for for the Nats when he hits them. They're out. Oof. I mean, I thought Stanton's were out. I knew those were out. Yeah, it was like a high fastball, and he got around and on just it. just stood there. Yeah. <laughs> and waved to the crowd. Now, you guys had the truck celebration when you won the World Series. Do you like the, the Red Sox celebration? Like the towel car. cart? Yeah. The car. <laughs> I like that. Yes. They he ride looks, people around. Yeah, you like see that. him in between. He's hanging out on, the, on like the top row just with the coaches. You go, he looks like he's a playing coach. <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah. He's been a magnificent acquisition. And, and by the way, to get it back to sort of why you would doubt the Red Sox last night, you know, if there was ever a curse on this team that you talk about, 
J.D. Martinez Out. spraining his ankle on as second base as he's what a jogging to the outfield. What's he going to play? Right. Yeah, it was an, it was it was, and he's out. So you think, well, he's one of the biggest bats. There's no way they could win this but game. Wilbon and I rarely agree on predictions. Rarely, we both felt the exact same way that that you know it's set up for the Yankees. It's set up for Cole. They were going to win this game. To be fair, this is an extension of some of the play you saw over the weekend, where the Yankees had trouble you know, getting runs against the Rays. Now you'd say the Rays were putting on a lineup that it was hard to do that. And the Red Sox, even if it was against the Nats, they had to play from behind late in that yes, series. And maybe that gave them a different mindset going into it. Let us go to the critical play and ask around. Um, I believe it's not even a question of holding judge. Judge is a freight train and he's going to score in my mind. And it's going to take two perfect throws. And they were two perfect throws. The outfield, two Bogarts, two home to get him. I would have sent him, would you? I would uh, have. Uh, A-Rod immediately comes back to us that you're going to take first and third. I think it was one out, yeah, uh, but uh, first and third. And to me, it comes back to the way the ball comes off the monster. And the Yankees have played it so many times. You should be able to predict some of those bounces, but it looks like it bounces more from home plate, more to the right, more to the center fielder, yes. which actually gives a straighter throw in. And I think you're trying to time that. If, if it goes to your left fielder, one bounce I, I think it's going to be more of an off-angle throw, and you're not going to be able to get as much speed behind it. So it just became much more streamlined. So you'd probably hold there, but then you also come back. If you have first and third, and, you, and you're supposed to have a very disciplined Yankees lineup. They don't chase. They don't chase. No, no. And A-Rod earlier was coming up with a stat about in games where they have no walks, the Yankees have no walks, they were like 3-7 and seven in those 10 games, and they were not getting those easy walks last night. Would you have sent him? I think I would have because I, I always believe you want to put the pressure on the other team, make them make the play. And if you score there, it's 3-2, maybe... One out. Yeah, one out. And Stanton's runner, at second. Stanton's at second, and that lineup... Even Stanton gets to second. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe you knock Evaldi out at that point. You know, you get to that bullpen. So I, I always like being aggressive there, but... Well, Evaldi is out at that point, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, Evaldi he was out. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, I, I always think you want to try and, and make the other team make that play, which... Which the Red Sox, I mean, to their credit, they, they did it. They did. They did it. The Red, look, the Yankees didn't lose that game. Red Sox won that game. Yeah. There's a difference. Red Sox won that game, got to Cole early, made the defensive plays. They won that game. What can I say? I had to, I, and I'll be wrong about the Dodgers tonight because yep. I'm going to pick Scherzer. And I'll be wrong about that too. How can you pick against Scherzer? Well, Wainwright. You so, Wainwright's great. So for, great for a late games. afternoon game with the mounds behind Dodger Stadium, does, is that going to help? Pitchers more than you know. Would you, I would think would so. I would think the sun is in. I would think the sun is in the batter's eyes for a lot of that game. And I know I the think. Cardinals have won like fifty in a row or something like that. Well, they have. The Dodgers but they didn't took a lose few days at off. home in September, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, that momentum. You took a, a few days off, and that that's and everything's different now. But it's Wainwright, Wainwright, and Scherzer. One guy's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. The other guy could. Yeah. You know, I just wait, what Scherzer has done. For Wainwright's the having a Tom Brady. He's forty years old. It's amazing. He's having a Tom Brady year for him. How old right. is it? What is he, 37? 37. Oh, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Jeff Ma? That's correct. Jeff Ma. James Carville not with us this week. Uh, he and T-Boy Lachelet, I believe, are in Bermuda for the week. <laughs> he, gave, he gave you eight last week. That's enough. Eight, he was four and four. Gave us eight games. Four college, all colleges I'd heard of. Unusual for yes, James. Yes, yes. So we'll take a break. Jeff Ma, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a SeatGeek ad. Both Nigel and Michael have the SeatGeek app. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, I have it on my phone, and right now I'm going to start searching to see if I can get a last-minute ticket to a 5 o'clock start uh, out West. LA, yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling there's going to be no more green light specials. <laughs> but if, did you notice the deals that I mentioned the other day uh, down by Pesky's Bowl taken over yeah. by Yankees fans? A lot of Yankees. Is that right? Look, yeah. Probably a lot of Yankees with SeatGeek to get yeah. that deal. Yeah. You have SeatGeek as well. I do. I love it. You know, um, you know, with concerts coming back, sort of, you know, it's great. That a lot of bands I love to see. And, and, and obviously, anytime you go to a game, it's the only app you want. It's just brilliant. SeatGeek is incredibly popular with all kinds of people. In fact, it's the highest rated ticketing app, whether it's concerts, baseball, basketball, football, festivals, or anything else. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from zero to 10 to make sure you're getting a good deal. And as Michael said, green means good, red means bad. You can get $20 off your first purchase with the promo code Tony at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. 
That's promo code Tony for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. Download the app today. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. These are the River Breaks. The band formed in D.C., but members are based all over the country now in Nashville, in Asheville, Nashville, Asheville, in Raleigh, Claremont, California, Denver, two of them in the District of Columbia. They've toured not only all over the United States, but they have tours in Europe and Canada. The lineup at the moment is Ryan Bailey on lead vocals, Andrew Satin on keys, Jesse Prentice Dunn on guitar, Jimmy Thompson on the other guitar, Drew Ball on bass, and Danny Crawford, who sent us this note, on drums. This is called Perfectly Aglow. Michael, if people like the River Breaks, and we'll listen to them twice today, if they want to send us music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Apparently, they're all littles, which is lovely. Isn't River this? Breaks. And it's beautiful music. Lovely, 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 lovely. All right. Uh, they play in Jeff Ma. Jeff last week was two and three, 12 and eight overall. And every human that picked for us. Every human missed on Carolina. Everyone missed on Carolina. Do you have any thoughts going back on that game? Uh, I mean, I guess, no, not really. I mean, Carolina certainly was able to move the ball and at different points was in that game. Um, and Cowboys are, are really strong offensively. We talked about it. And Prescott is, is certainly elite this year and, and, um, no, I mean, I yeah. think ultimately the line, um, I think probably my only, my only thing about that was that, you know, that line opened at five, went down to four. Um, sometimes it's tough to get the, the worst of the line, but, um, I don't know. I get, I, I would still have taken, taken Carolina. I, I think that was the right side. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume because of where you grew up and where you went to college that you're a Pats fan of some sort. How was that game for you? I mean, that I, I was personally surprised that Tampa Bay didn't cover. A lot of people missed on that as well. But what was that like watching for you? You know, I, I, the, the Brady thing has been interesting as a Pats fan because ultimately the Brady-Belichick argument that's sort of like ensued after this has been tough to watch because of it's very it's very results biased argument right now where after one week after one season and and a couple of games it seems clear to the average sports fan that it was Brady and all Brady during this you know twenty year run and it's hard for me to believe because you know Brady was was great when he was with the Patriots but he certainly was never arguably the best quarterback statistically in in any of those seasons right you had tons of guys that people thought were better at, at different points Manning Rogers et cetera. So um, watching that game, I think, was was an interesting experience because, you know, again, you go back down to like one one small sample size of who's the best. And I think it was certainly impressive. I mean, I've been incredibly impressed by Mac Jones all season, even with the struggles he's had at different times with turnovers or whatnot. I just think that what he's doing as a rookie quarterback is far ahead of where, you know, at this point in Brady's career he was still sitting on the bench behind Drew Bledsoe so I'm, I'm pretty impressed with Mac Jones was even more impressed with him there I, I think the thing that was pretty disappointing was Belichick um, and the decisions that he made on fourth down right at the end of the first half and mm-hmm. then obviously at the end of the game where he had like fourth and three and fourth and two and didn't go for it in situations where analytics would have dictated that he does I mean the the I think both of the decisions were close to four to five percent differences in win per, win probability meaning like his decision cost the Patriots the opportunity to win now I mean obviously Bill Belichick knows a thousand times more about football than I do and about these decisions but these fourth down decisions are pretty well documented in terms of us understanding now that that going for it I mean just think about the the idea that He's sending Nick Falk in to kick a 59-yard field goal in the rain, and even if he makes it, still gives Tom Brady the ball with a minute left down by only needing a field goal to score to win. It just doesn't even make sense, right? Like, obviously, the best chance to win there is to get that fourth down, to bleed more clock, and to give himself a chance as a team a chance 
to have an even higher percentage field goal or even a touchdown for that matter. And the only thing I can think of is he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore, and he's not sure that Mac Jones can make that play. I would ask this. We're now four weeks in, so you got, you know, you, you've got a cushion to sit on and figure this stuff out. Are we now making bets based on this year and no longer factoring in anything, say, from last year that you might have in the first week or the second week? Is four weeks enough? I mean, no. And, and I okay. think that's, again, one of the things that will end up creating value for people because this is something that Rufus and I talk about a lot on Bet the Process. It's this idea of priors. So going into a season, because um, an NFL season itself is such a small sample size, it's important to incorporate the previous year into your modeling because ultimately it, it does have some level of predictability into the, the, the year ahead. Now, obviously, teams change personnel, players change, uh, coaches change, but there is still some correlation between what you did last year and what you're going to do going forward this year. So um, as the year goes on, that, that amount that you rate, rate the prior season should go down, but still in the fourth week of the season or fifth week of the season, there is some value to looking at what you did last year. And one other question before we get to the picks, the mess with Urban Meyer, does that affect how you would look at a Jacksonville game? I mean, the problem with anything that that is very public is is that, you know, it will get figured into the factors in the line and, and, you know, the concept of the wisdom of the crowds, which is that like any – you know, sort of market is able to process information better than any individual makes it such that a line itself, you know, it, it is well figured into those types of things. Now, Jacksonville itself is, is has not been a good team, and you're going to see that I'll be picking against them this, this week, but it's not necessarily the Urban Meyer mess that's the reason. It's the fact that they're playing a Tennessee team that is, um, you know, a little bit underrated and, and you know, has, I think after last week, is a team that people are looking to bet against, and, and that line is, is a little bit low, I think, and so I, I like Tennessee there, which is like the good segue into the picks, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. So we, you'll take Tennessee. I was Look, I, everybody is surprised when Tennessee loses to the Jets. I mean, Tennessee's a solid playoff team and look to have righted themselves. I would think that they would be – they're only giving four – is it four, right, at Jacksonville? Only four. I'm surprised at that. Yeah, it's four, and there's a lot of – sort of sharp betters that I know they're already on Tennessee. And this is a a spot, a line, a road favorite that tends to usually be biased towards the public, meaning the the public actually are the ones, the average sports fan is the one that looks at that and bets on Tennessee. But there's actually some sharp betters that I know that are on Tennessee also. Okay. What else you got? Um, Tomorrow night, I'm going to take the Rams minus a two and a half against Seattle. Um, you know, that Seattle's kind of a, a team that has, you know, certainly L.A. struggled last week um, against yes, Arizona. Definitely. I think that was a, was a tough spot, obviously, because of the you know, coming off that big victory against Tampa Bay. And in hindsight, you can look at that and say, oh, this is a sort of was an emotional spot down. But I just think L.A. is a, a much better team than Seattle. I think Seattle, despite that win against San Francisco, is a pretty mediocre team this year, and, and I like L.A. to win that game by more than two and a half points. Okay, who else? I'm going to take Miami. Um, what do you guys have that line? And I, I, it looks like overnight it kind of has dropped. Ten. I had that at ten and a half oh. going, going into last. We had ten. Going into, we have ten. Right, we'll, ten we'll take ten. We'll give it to you. Um, okay. That's, a, you know, again, this is a Tampa team that I think um, – has you know, and, and a lot of people will, will talk about spots, right? But ultimately, what they've come off of the last two weeks, um, meaning playing LA, playing New England, and now in a spot back at home against Miami, this is a spot where I think they could come off a, a little bit, a little bit soft in terms of just a little, not necessarily let down, which is sort of a classic cliche, but. 10 points is a lot to cover in the NFL against a Miami team, which has a, a very solid defense. I think they will give um, Brady some problems. Um, I think Flores knows Brady pretty well from the New England days, yeah. and you know he will look at what Belichick did last week and I think could give uh, Brady some problems. So I expect this to be a low-scoring game where 
uh, Miami and 10 points will be uh, the value. Okay. What else? I mentioned Tennessee minus the four. Um, I'm also going to take New England, sorry, New Orleans minus the two against uh, your Washington football team. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> obviously, uh, Washington was able to pull a rabbit out of a hat last week and, and come yes, were. through in a situation where they probably had sort of no business winning that game. But, um, you know, that's why I think here New Orleans actually has value. New Orleans very publicly lost in, in that game against the Giants, which was surprising, I think, to many people. I think if you remember, I actually had the Giants in that game, so I wasn't as surprised as other people, but certainly the outright win was a little bit of a surprise. But I do think New Orleans is still a solid team, and I think Washington is a team that's going to continue to struggle this year. Okay. One more for us, maybe? One more. Chicago plus the five and a half against um, Las Vegas, I think. Chicago, I mean, it's, it's again, the rookie quarterback situation is very unpredictable and, and whomever is going to be starting in that, that game. Um, but essentially you have a situation where you have a very, you know, still a very solid Chicago defense. You have a Las Vegas team that's been playing way above expectations. Um, again, another sort of like spot where they just came off a, a division rival or a conference rival and, and, now we're playing against the Chicago team where I think just the five and a half points with the solid Chicago defense is, is too much. So Jeff and Rufus Peabody do the podcast Bet the Process, and I don't know if you get into this, but did you see after that game, after the Vegas Chargers game, did you see what Joey Bosa said about Derek Carr, a guy who's got to play twice a year, every single year? He actually said you put pressure on him and he curls up. That's amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, did, did, did that stand out for you? Did you pay attention to that? Well, I mean, if you're Joey Bosa and, and your job is to pressure on, on uh, Derek Carr, I mean, like, what what harm is there in you saying that, right, ultimately? Because I, I think it's probably well known that, that that is something that Carr struggles with, and, and he did struggle with that in that game. So, I mean, I, I think ultimately... I, I think that if I'm, you know, Joey Bosa, if I'm a Chargers fan, or I'm, you know, betting against the the Raiders, I I think that that's, you know, that kind of mental. It's like just figure it out, Car. If that's if if you have anything to say about that, figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, you can't figure it out. I mean, this Car's been in the league a long time. People know what he's good and bad at, and, and pressure is something. You know, all quarterbacks struggle against pressure. I just loved it. He said, Carr stinks. I'll play against Carr any day of the week if I can. Because Carr stinks. That was amazing to me, Jeff. Just amazing. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck. Thanks. Bye, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. Again, bet the process with Jeff Ma and Rufus Peabody. Not Rufus T. Firefly. I was going to say it's not not Rufus T. Firefly. Chuck Todd, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Compared to pumpkin patch photo shoots and costume planning, shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius can be one of the easiest tasks on your October to-do list. Filling time between trick-or-treaters? Try shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius. Get free quotes while giving out free candy. It's so great. Kids, wait at the front door a little while. Daddy's talking to Policy Genius. <laughs> Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a top... A dozen top insurers all in one spot. And why compare? Why? Because you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. This exclusive policy was recently rated number one by Forbes Advisor. Higher than options from Ladder, Ethos, and Bestow. I have no idea what I have just read. <laughs> Getting, I know how this goes, though. Getting started is easy. First, head to PolicyGenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. Policy Genius does not add on extra fees. So head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
Once again, these are the River Breaks. That's the name of the band, the River Breaks. And I will tell you where they're going to be. On October 7th, which is in a couple of days, they're going to be at Arlene's Grocery in New York City. I hate to imagine that's actually a grocery store. A little bodega? I would hope it's a just a cool name, but they'll be at Arlene's Grocery in cheese. New York City. On October 9th, they'll be at the Pearl Street Warehouse in D.C. I'm not going, but I've heard of it because we had a band play there the other day for the Pearl Street Warehouse, and that's where Dan Byrne, I think, and Brandon Costello played at the I, Pearl Street Warehouse. I believe Warehouse. you're correct, yes. And the day after that, they'll be at the Richmond Music Hall in Richmond, Virginia. They are... The River Breaks. This is called Sky Gazer, and it plays in Chuck Todd. Chuck had a chance to win last week. He missed on the Monday night game. He did get the Washington football team late. That must have been a very good exhale for you when Tyler Heine Taylor Heineke drove them to where they could win that game. You must have felt good about that one, right? Well, I was kind of like the idea that I had some weird reverse jinx power, so it was disappointing. It means I don't have any of that power anymore, any of the negative huh. mojo. Uh, uh, three and four well, on the week, 12 and, and 16. Three and four and 12 and 16 overall. Well, we're giving you hard games. No, no, I, no. I mean, I, I, I know. I'm glad I'm not actually betting. I'm actually personally up for the year, but I've been bailed out by some, you know, 66-yard field goals and things like that. So. <laughs> yeah. right. But let's get, let's get to it. Let's start. This game, I will tell you this line surprises me. Seattle beat San Francisco last week. Now, I know Jimmy Garoppolo went out, but Seattle beat San Francisco in San Francisco. It's a short week, but it's a short week for both teams. They return home to Seattle where they play the Rams. The Rams got pounded at home by Arizona. Pounded. I, they just got crushed in that game. And for some reason, the Rams are a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. I, I will tell you, Chuck, you know more about this than I. That line surprises me. Well, it's what the line would have been before Sunday's games, right? After the Bucks beat Tampa and after C Seattle. Uh, um, uh, the, after, the Rams, beat, if, after the right, Rams, after the Rams beat, beat Tampa, Tampa and right. after Seattle so, lost. Yeah. Right. So this would have been the spread. And I think there is this idea that, okay, the Rams had a bad week, had a down week after their big game, so they're going to bounce back, and it's no longer a must-win. By the way, this run of three games for the Rams. Wow. Bucks, Cardinals, and now Seahawks on the road on a Thursday yeah. night. It's uh, the hardest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Is, yeah, that was, uh, that was not a, a friendly thing. Look, everything says take the home team on Thursday night at home, Home teams in general, plus it's Russell Wilson getting points. But, man, I, I just can't imagine the Rams losing two in a row. So, um, But I'm going to go with the numbers here. I, I mean, I'll feel like an idiot. It, it's one. This is one of those where my head says, um, I think that in a in neutral field, the Rams are a better team than the Seahawks. Hard stop. But I, I don't want to bet against Russell Wilson at home getting points. And how often are you going to get that? And I just feel like those numbers, that, that's a better bet to be on. But, man, I certainly won't bet this game for real. That's, that's just a tough, that's a tough line. It's a tough match. The next Thursday, one, so. yeah, the next one is a Sunday game. And I, you know, I took an eyebrow up on this particular line as well. Green Bay at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I know, is 3-1. and one, But they're Cincinnati. Green Bay has just had three impressive wins in a row. Yes, they're on the road. They are a three-point favorite. I personally thought that would be higher. Who you got? Yeah, I, I, I guess it means that it would have been close to a touchdown at home, which is right. Three's about right. I bet this goes to three and a half before, before kickoff. I'll, I'll take the Packers because I just – it's less – I'm not as convinced the Packers are going to be uh, true contenders, but – but I think Cincinnati's I, just awful. That offensive line, that's just terrible. Right. And uh, I don't have a lot of faith in that coach. I know they're 3-1. I, I, I don't know how they're 3-1. Yeah, I would take Green Bay in that game, me personally. The next yeah. game is an interesting line. Cleveland has had a very good year to this point. They have. Cleveland is at the Chargers. The Chargers have had a very good year to this point. And these are two young quarterbacks 
both of whom could be great, although I think you would say Justin Herbert has a better chance to be great. Cleveland is getting one and a half. I wanted to say in San Diego, but it's in L.A. Cleveland is getting one and a half. This is a tough game. Who you got in this one? I, I, I agree. I think, is this the best game of the weekend? I think it is. Either that or the Rams. Well, Rams-Seattle is a Thursday night, so yes. Thursday yes. night game, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, yes. this feels like, yeah. This, I, no, this I'll give you one those, later that's network, really good. The, the yeah. networks, you know, thought, oh, we should have treated this like a major game. They're just not ready to count the Browns and the Chargers as elite teams yet. That's right. But, that's right. Um, you know, it's, it is the Chargers don't have a home field advantage yet. Um, the Rams seem to have one, but the Chargers don't. I, I, look, I like the. I, I think the Browns are a pretty complete team. I think they're slightly more complete than the Chargers. Uh, I hate taking a road team, but it's not a real road. It's not a. It's not a real home uh, advantage. So I'm going to go with Cleveland here because I just think they they have they can they have more ways to win. They can grind it out. They can win ugly. They can win a high-scoring game. Um, I, I think they're the sneaky, sneaky, complete team out there. So uh, give me Cleveland. I don't know how many times Will Bon and I are going to say San Diego every time we refer to the Chargers. <laughs> but this is the second year, and we continue to do it they were every single the LA time. Chargers. You can always, yes, they were. Can they always were always say that. You know, I'm so old school. You know, nah, uh, or whatever. Say but. it all the time. All right, the Giants are at Dallas. The Giants are getting seven. Dallas has looked, by any objective measure, better than we thought. They have. Dallas has looked better than we thought. The Giants got a win. Saquon Barkley matters. This is at Dallas. Seven is a lot of points in a divisional game. Me, personally, I like Dallas here. Who do you like? That's my problem. That's too many points in a divisional game. How many times have good Dallas teams lost to bad Giants teams at home? Uh, I feel like that's not an unfamiliar result in general. Uh, I uh, This line, you, you said the uh, Rams-Seahawks line was the weird line. This yeah, line this is, is the weird one, too. This, okay. this line scares me because it's, it's too high. And uh, it, it may even get higher. I think there's just going to be a lot of, this is, you know, people are jumping on the Dallas bandwagon. Um, they're clearly a good team, but too many points. Giants. Okay. We have another divisional game next, San Francisco, which may or may not have Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And if they don't, they have a rookie, Trey Lance, against Arizona. Arizona just had the biggest win of the year to this point. Now, maybe there's a letdown. Maybe you could look at the Rams beating Tampa and say they let down a little bit against Arizona. That is something that you have to factor in. San Francisco getting five and a half, the best division in football, getting five and a half at Arizona. Same thing. I struggle with that many points, and for everything you, you, you're, you're, I feel like you're almost leading me to take San Francisco, but I was already leaning there anyway. But I, I agree with everything you just said there, the letdown aspect. And here's the other thing about Arizona: yeah, they're four zero, but they're like kind of whiplashy, right? You never, you know, you, you you could turn around, they're up two scores, or you could turn around and they're, you know, struggling for a minute or two against was it Jacksonville? Right or something like that. I think it was one of those lowly teams, um, and I just like Shanahan with you know in these divisional right. games. So uh, San Francisco on the points. You asked what is the best game of the weekend. I would tell you it's the next one: Buffalo at Kansas City. All Kansas right. City is now two yeah. and two. They're at the bottom of the AFC West, and and they've been in the Super Bowl two years in a row. Buffalo. I want to give you a couple of numbers here. What Buffalo has done in the last three weeks. They have outscored their opponents 118 to 21. They shut out two teams. I don't care how bad the teams are. They shut out two teams, Miami and Houston, 75 nothing. There is right now at this second, there is no better offense in the league than the Buffalo Bills, and they go to Kansas City. Not a great defensive team. There could be some big-time scoring in this one, and Buffalo is getting two and a half. You've been picking road teams all week. You picking another one? I tell you, if you can get Kansas City at home less than a field goal, I don't care who they're playing. I'm not gonna. I can't. I can't walk away from that. That's a. I know that. What is it? Kansas City last week, I think covered for like. It was only like their second cover in 15. They rarely games cover. Or something. Yeah, they rarely yeah. cover. Yeah. But this is now, and I think this is the first time that 
that uh, the betters have caught up. Uh, we'll find out. But I feel like finally there's a Kansas City line that doesn't feel really automatic. Everybody's betting Kansas City. And it has, you know, artificial inflation or anything like that. This doesn't feel that way. Under a field goal at home, you know, I, I'm not – home field advantage in general has – if you read some of this analytics, has eroded a lot. But if you're going to tell me a team that, that – you know, there's sort of two teams I think get home field advantage at times, and, and it's uh, Kansas City is one of them, Buffalo being another. Um, give me the Chiefs. The only thing that would surprise me about this game is if it was a 17-14 game. That would surprise me. I, I mean, I'm sure they set the over very, very high, but I'm talking about really a uniquely low-scoring game would surprise me a lot. We move on. New Orleans. Um, We're about what? We're about two weeks away from weather, having to worry about that? Yes, right? it's not yet. Yeah, not that would yet. be the only way that, that we might have seen something like yeah. that in this game. Yeah. Um, New Orleans, uh, a team that has essentially fallen down a hole and found that they don't, it, their blow is cushioned by Pittsburgh being at the bottom of the hole. New Orleans is a, whole, a road favorite over Washington. Wow, Washington's, other than that one blowout game, Washington has had very, very close games. The Buffalo game, other than that. Washington is at home. New Orleans is giving two. You've been on the football team all year. Are you on them again? By the way, have you noticed that the New Orleans seems to, if we were wondering what was going to happen, was Jameis Winston going to take on the personality of Sean Payton and the Saints, or were the Saints going to take on the personality of Jameis Winston? And Looks like the latter. I, I was just going to say, this looks like, what, the way you just described the Saints, you could have described his last year in Tampa that way. Yeah. And I believe they were 8-8, eight and eight, right? And yeah. there'd be games you'd be like, oh, wow, did you see what Jameis did? You know, and then there'd be halves where you'd say, oh, God, did you see what James did? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to take uh, New Orleans in this Jekyll and Hyde week. Uh, I, it, it, this line, this you talk about lines that I, I had no idea what to make of this line. I don't trust Washington right now. That defense, uh, I, you know, I think we have to stop saying they have a good defense. I think now it's their job to prove that it's a good defense. Uh, so I, uh, this could be a week that New Orleans uh, can look like they're going to get right, only to, you know what, the bed probably next week. But uh, give yeah. me the Saints. Um, in the words of Shad Khan, that defense has to uh, regain our trust. <laughs> you know what she said about Urban that Meyer. What, what How about Urban Meyer? How season? about getting an owner who doesn't have your back at all? At all. Yeah, I, so. And how much money did he pay? This owner... How much money did he pay, Urban? And does USC probably even take him hundred million dollars? Probably. I mean, USC you know, couldn't I, hire him now, right? USC. My friend David told me there is no way they would ever hire Urban Meyer. They've had too many scandals. The next guy is going to be totally clean, no matter what. And Urban Meyer is not. This is. How you, you feeling know, about the uh, Nats um, looking towards twenty twenty three? Already deciding twenty twenty two is over. Yeah, um, they, they've bailed on 2022 with their starting rotation and re-signing that shortstop who is just nothing. Yeah. He's absolutely so, nothing. I, I, it yeah. was, they tried to sneak that in yesterday. I said, you know, that comes over. I, I, it immediately set me into a, a, a baseball depression. Like, really? The, the day yeah. after this last season, you're going you're gonna to rub salt in the room, Nats, and you're going to say, we don't care about 2022? That's what it felt well, like. They're, their starting oh, rotation that they're so optimistic about is Strasburg, who hasn't pitched an inning in 14 years at this point, <laughs> and Corbin, who had the worst turnaround of any pitcher in baseball going the wrong way, and Josiah Gray, who may be good, Joe Ross, Ross, who stinks, yeah, and Fetty, who that was the worst performance I've ever seen, Fetty, in the sixth inning against Boston. You guys are being too hard on them. They made the wild card last night in the AL. Just for the highlights. <laughs> yes, in the highlights. Yes, they did. <laughs> hey, nice one player that they signed this year at least made it into the wild card game, Kyle Schwarber, Schwarber. And, and was semi-relevant. Yeah. Yeah. How worth it is Kyle Schwarber, by the way? 100% How worth, worth it. it is that guy on a $10 million deal this year, what he's done for two teams? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. He'll get a good deal. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Talk to you next week. You got week. it. I'm good glad luck. I spun you up on the Nats. I hope yeah. they're listening. Yeah, I hope they're listening over there. All righty. They're not Bye. listening. They're not, if they're listening, they're not paying attention. It doesn't matter.
It would be great if we just gave you Chuck Todd. We yeah. don't give you Chuck Todd. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging We're out of sync here, but tap, sing tap, along, tap, everybody. Not yet, not yet. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's zoo. got the bike, spy, two. two. Sometimes he throws his poop. He throws his poop, 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 poop. he's had too much Johnny, Johnny Walker, Walker Blue. Blue. Right. <laughs> is he at the zoo or is he not at the zoo? By the way, I just want to say, I think we were all in perfect time on that one. I think that was really, really well Reginald done. Reginald was one and two last week. He's four and seven overall. Yeah, he's not having a great year, but he always gets off to well, a slow start. Chuck. Chuck's not having a great year. Uh, so he was not at the National Zoo, to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually just a few blocks away from the National Zoo, and he was working on an RV. Apparently, it's his oh, gap is year. That right? Yeah. That's so, right. you know. He lives just over there. Yeah, it's yeah. just over there. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't want to work on it in front of the zoo, right? Uh, so he has his little monkey overalls on, you know, and his sleeves rolled up. By the way, you know who's Going on this this cross country trip with Sergey Bubka. No, is that had so no idea that two were pals. Yeah. But yeah, so it's a very exciting time for him. Um, but Sergey and Reginald took Sergey Bubka, by the way, used to get paid by the Russian government, <laughs> by the Soviet Union government, every time he broke the record. So he'd break it by an eighth of an inch <laughs> week after week after week yes. and get more money and accumulate money. So it's a very savvy move yeah, by Sergey. Uh, so the first uh, match we gave him was the Thursday night match with the Rams at home getting two and a half versus the Rams and um, or the Seahawks the Seahawks getting two and a half at home versus the Rams rather and uh, Reginald showed me an old uh, some photographs from a photo shoot he did at the Space Needle with Jim Zorn Xavier McDaniel and Steve Largent. Okay. So he, clearly he's got ties to the yep. Seattle area, yep. and he will take the Seahawks with the two and a half. Yeah, release the Kraken. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, the next match we gave him was uh, the Chargers at home getting a point and a half. Or I'm sorry, giving a point and a half against Cleveland. Uh, now, I know you and Wilbon, you know, keep frequently call them the San Diego Chargers. I think Reginald feels that way as well because he showed me a, a photograph of him visiting the San Diego Zoo. Apparently, that's his home away from home, visiting with the koala along with Tony Gwynn, Dan Fouts, and Kurt Bavacqua. Okay. You know, so he's got ties to the old San Diego region, but I think that conveys to the L.A. Chargers as well, so he'll take them. And the last match we gave him, of course, was the Washington football team at home getting two against the Saints. And this was just a lovely, it was almost a small uh, home movie of him at the Dancing Crab with Otis Wansley, Joe Bugle, and Rigo. There you go. So not quite sure where the film came from, but I won't talk about what was going on in the film, but everyone seemed to be having a good time, so That's he'll take the Washington football team. Okay, great. So we are ready to go. We will take a break, and um, we will have email and jingle when we return, if I'm not mistaken, right? That is correct. Okie dokie. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X-Chair read. And for those of you watching on News Channel 8, you can see that I'm sitting in the X chair right now. I moved the X chair. Well, I didn't. I, Michael. I moved I, the I X chair. I said I corrected myself yeah. quickly. I didn't we move did it. We did not move the X chair. Michael moved the X chair down from the attic where it was on the PTI set for months and months and months. And now it's down in the dining room. It's very impressive. And I hope that it will help with my hip. I, don't, I haven't yet put on any of the accoutrement. The, like heat I, yeah, the, the heat massage, function, the heat function, I haven't. I don't know how to do that. I don't. If you buy an X chair, please learn how to do that because it what it is what additionally makes the X chair great. But I'm in it now, hoping that it will help with my back and my leg, and we'll see. It was good yesterday. We'll see if it's good today. And now I'll read some copy. From the moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately said, "Ah, so this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like." I never actually looked forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair. I don't think of this as an office. I think of it as a studio. But yeah, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? The X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? The X chair can. It's all in the Elamax massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X chair's dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Try X chair for yourself risk-free. For 30 days, once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, T-O-N-Y dot com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtony.com. Jody Forstott did this. You can do this, too. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. 
of these instruments <laughs> makes me so happy. That's Rod Lover, right? That's right. Yes. His use of, of these sort of weird instruments to play the male bass. And that one, I don't know why, it always reminds me of Buckaroo Banzai. I think it's sort of vaguely nice. similar to the Buckaroo Banzai theme. Nice. Uh, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels? Strong yeah? Owl City vibes. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, Bethesda Bagels. Bethesda Bagels. Yes, we love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. All right, I guess that'll do it for us today. But before I get to the mailbag, let me just say, she may get woolly. <laughs> Young girls, they do get woolly because of all the stress. <laughs> yeah, when they get woolly, try a little tenderness. For those of you who've never seen Bull Durham, in Bull Durham, this is when Tim Robbins destroys this Otis Redding song. It's weary. It's not woolly. And he makes up. And Crash Davis wants to kill him because the words are so wrong. Thanks to our guest today, Chuck Todd. Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Policy Genius, X Chair, and SeatGeek. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a, a review. How many times will you watch Fever Pitch before tomorrow? About 40. Okay. No, I hate that movie. No, <laughs> That's despise. the Fallon movie. Yeah, it? I despise that movie. You got your yeah. pink hat ready? From Anthony in Pleasant Hill. <laughs> on last Wednesday's mailbag, you opened with a quote from The Sopranos and talked about the prequel movie. Then you said you were hopeful about the movie because Vincent Chase was involved in the production. Of course, you meant to say David Chase, who wrote and produced The Sopranos. Vincent Chase is the fictional lead character in Entourage, played by Adrian Grenier. Both are great HBO series, but you never know. Perhaps there's a moment when a young Tony Soprano crosses paths with a young Ari Gold and a mob <laughs> fund start his mega-agent career. It's a terrible rabbit hole. From Elliot Olshansky, upon hearing you say that Vincent Chase, not David Chase, is involved with the upcoming Sopranos prequel, I found myself curious about what your old pal Adrian Grenier has been up to since he was replaced by Jason Momoa. Is that how it's pronounced? Momoa. Jason Momoa, yes, is Aquaman. Aquaman films. Yes. While it is, in fact, Sopranos creator David Chase who's producing the upcoming movie, The Many Saints of Newark, Mr. Grenier has been reasonably active since the Entourage movie in 2015, voicing a recurrent character on Disney's Junior's Mission Force One, appearing in several direct-to-video releases, and in 2019, starring in Christmas at Graceland, Ooh. home for the holidays on the Walmart channel. <laughs> Thought certain individuals in your household might be in <laughs> Best regards from Suffolk County, where I've not seen any Hallmark movies, but I do see plenty of gazebos. If you're doing direct-to-video, that ain't good. Joe Antal, or Antal, in Rockford, Michigan. Your description of your life's best round of golf reminded me of mine. I was in my 40s, living in Coleman, Alabama. There were four big manufacturing plants in Coleman, and they each had a golf league that used a handicapping process to give poor golfers a reasonable chance against better ones. Annually, each plant would field an eight-member team from their league and provide one player to each of the eight foursomes that would compete using his handicap from individual league play. The winners' names and net scores were engraved on a huge traveling trophy that remained with the winning team until the following year. I was a 14 back then. But during the tournament, I played the best round of golf that I'd ever played or have played since. Heading into the 18th hole, I was only two over. Everything in the bag was working, and I couldn't miss a putt. I finished with a triple on 18, which was more my speed, but still carded to 77. My net of 63 won the day for my team, and our names will be forever on that trophy. Needless to say, the dozens of golfers who didn't know me from Adam were thoroughly convinced that I had sandbagged my handicap. It was an amazing day, but the looks I got at the Celebration Barbecue definitely put a melancholy slant on my achievement. By the way, you never mentioned how you celebrated. Surely you rewarded yourself. No, I just brought the card home and described it in detail to my son who was bored out of his mind. Right? I mean, just, I'll always have the voicemail. It's just so boring. From Jay Owen in Alaska, did you say Michael and Tracy were bringing fans to the attic for PTI? I'm a fan. Can I come? Uh, Chuck Seligman, our Air Force chaplain, can't wait to hear about the monkey's picks and the newer picture he might reveal from inside his new-to-him 40-foot RV as he tours the country enjoying the fall colors. Yeah. From Andy Shaner in Madison, Wisconsin. I was in Miami last week for a meeting. I mentioned your trailer problem to a business associate of mine. After some tough negotiations, I told him, I'm going into the other room to take a nap. When I wake up, if the trailer is gone, I know we have a deal. <laughs> from RJ in Bronxville, New York, by way of Chicago, allow me to submit a solution to your park behemoth situation. Back in my undergrad days, our fraternity was separated by a mere 15 yards from our hated rivals next door. You can imagine the types of exchanges, both physical and verbal, that would occur between two rivals that each housed upwards of 80 boys aged 18 to 22, fueled by the cheapest vodka known to man and day-old pizza. <laughs> After concluding the other side had crossed the line, we decided to put an end to it all. Did we call our locally elected representative like you did? No. We tied a note to a brick and made sure it found its way through a window pane. 
The note simply read, we have more bricks. <laughs> that was enough to put a stop to the antics. It's like, burn the boats. <laughs> Trace Hendrick, my college roommate and I made the trek to Kohler for the Ryder Cup. And while we played some great golf during the week, including Aaron Hills, nothing beat the experience of the first tee on Friday morning. We woke up at 4 a.m., arrived at the course before 5 to join the group in Dye Plaza that was there even earlier than we were. As we waited for the 6 a.m. rope drop, hundreds of people piled in the dark behind us, dressed in crazy flag outfits and ready to run. When 6 a.m. arrived on a dark 49-degree morning, we started to run as fast as two 40-year-old out-of-shape men can run. It was like the running of the bulls and storming the beach, minus the dangers of war, all at once. People were scaling slippery dunes to cut through on the Irish course hopping through bunkers and dodging people coming from all directions with one goal in mind, get a seat in the first tee grandstand. I'm happy to say we made it successfully, and while we were catching our breath, enjoying the moment, and taking in a beautiful sunrise over Lake Michigan, all of a sudden I saw something down on the first tee that made everything else seem insignificant. I said to my friend, oh my God, it's Steve Sands. <laughs> he looked at me like I was an idiot, and without hesitation, I left my seat, went down to the front row, and let out my best la cheeserie. Steve was talking to someone facing the other direction, and he turned, scanned the crowd, made eye contact with me, and gave me a giant smile and thumbs up. The Ryder Cup may have been amazing, but my Sansy David Aldridge moment made it one I'll never forget. Isn't that great? From Ray Lynn in Forest Hills. Next, you'll be telling me Architectural Digest has a list of top foreign language films you can stream right now. Because I talk about Reader's Digest of Jans. From Anthony Ellis in New Orleans, my girlfriend is dead set on being a mermaid for Halloween. So the joke is, I'll be the fisherman who caught her. But which fisherman? A, Horatio McAllister, the fisherman from The Simpsons. B, Santiago in Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea. Maybe walk around all night convincing everyone in the room that they are misremembering the book they read freshman year of high school and ends with Santiago catching a mermaid. C, write-in candidate, awaiting further instructions. Also have the gang talk about their favorite Halloween costume. Sounds like a Wednesday show. If you ask me about someone to catch a mermaid, it's Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, it has to be. It's Tom Hanks. Yeah, splash. And what's uh, Daryl Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. It's Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Just go as Tom Hanks. Don't be an idiot. Favorite costume? Hmm? Your favorite costume? Well, it's going to be the cape, right? The cape. Of course you were. With the clasp. <laughs> Am I old enough lying. to take the cape for a Halloween? Yes, you can. This year you can take <laughs> The passing down and of the cape. And one more from Richard DeLisson. <laughs> That's a big moment. The revelation of your sub-80 score the during twirl. the recent best round of golf ever reminded me of the first the time duster. I ever broke 80. Not sure if you will remember, but you were there. However, neither my score nor the opportunity to play with you turned out to be the lead to this story. In the early 90s, I was the head of public relations for Lansdowne Resort in Leesburg, Virginia. And I was excited to host you for a mid-afternoon round on a quiet Tuesday. On that morning, I reached out to you, since we were just a twosome, suggesting you should feel free to bring along a guest. I also scrambled to find someone at the resort to fill out our group. The only available person I could find was John from the Cart Barn. You did a little better on your end by bringing along a friend from the Post, Bob Woodward. <laughs> How about that? Who's How about that, Mikey? <laughs> I was so awestruck to spend the afternoon with the two of you that I paid zero attention to my own score, which I learned which, as I learned on that day, may well be the key to success in golf. When it was all over, I was shocked to see the scorecard showed a tidy 39, 38, 37. John from the cart barn also broke 80 that day, but he did so in a different way, by paying zero attention to you or Mr. Woodward, <laughs> since he'd never heard of either of you. Here's to many more scores, starting with a seven. Not in my lifetime anymore, pal, but thank you. Cheers. Rick DeLisi in Ashburn, Virginia. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You know what ought to happen to them? They ought to be stabbed by cocktail forks. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my, Andy. <laughs> Andy Poli. Sing it to the radio. Killing time. Driving so. Sing it to the radio. Backseat kissing about an hour ago And I feel 17 perfectly aglow Going to the swimming hole Drinking beer, skipping stones Going to the swimming hole Where the kids are weird Half are stoned and free 
place emptied out a while ago Hank into the midnight show I look like hell tomorrow But I feel 33 perfectly aglow You're gonna change my change 